Well, I mean, we are where we're at right now. Uh, Record-wise, we're going to need some help um, from some teams. And then we got to take care of our own business. You know, we're going to have to find a way to win a game on the road. We're owing six on the road. So we just got to go back home, get some rest, beat Arizona, and then come back and beat Atlanta and go to Chicago, a place we've won a number of times, beat them, go to New York around Christmas, beat them, and come home against Detroit, beat them, get a little help. Welcome to the Unknown Packers podcast. We've got a little bit of a new twist moving forward. We had such a wonderful time last week with Howdy Duty on tap with our guest Tanner Dunkel of Green 19 Packers. We decided to bring him back yet again for another episode. Two podcasts in one. This week, the UPP 19, which is the collaboration of the Unknown Packers podcast and Green 19 Packers. First and foremost, this podcast is brought to you by Black Husky Brewing. Last week, I did not have a beverage, and I will put the onus on me for the Packers loss. So this week, I am uh, actually drinking the Unknown Packers podcast Pale Ale, which is clocking in at 7.9%. Tanner, will you give a little brief intro for those that might have missed Howdy Duty on Tap last week? Yeah, no problem. I'm Tanner Dunkel. I run the uh, Twitter account Green19Packers on Twitter, and I also run Green19Packers.com. Everything Packers, uh, articles, game previews, and uh, sometimes the occasional podcast. Uh, But uh, junior in college, just like writing about the Packers and giving my opinions. You go to Wells University? Wells College, yes. Wells College? And that's in New York, right? A small college, about 500 students out near uh, Ithaca, New York. So, yeah. Very cool. And last week you mentioned that uh, you down the road you want to see yourself in the coaching realm and uh, also teach in English at the high school English, level? Hopefully, yeah. English. I play baseball. I played football and basketball. So becoming a high school English teacher, coach some sports, that's the dream. Very cool. Tanner Dunkel, keep that name in the back of your mind. Speaking of coaching, uh, the Packers lose 24-17 to the Minnesota Vikings. Packers are now 4-6-1. and They are 0-6 on the road. And about five weeks ago, I, I had done a, a podcast with our regular co-host, Jeremiah Wayman. About five weeks ago, we had Miami, Rams, New England, Seattle, and Minnesota. And I had mentioned that you had to go 3-2 and two in those five games. They, uh, they did their job against Miami. And then they were so close against the Rams, New England. And then they look like a team that could have easily beaten Seattle and beaten Minnesota. And again, they let these games slip away. And now the Packers are 4-6-1. and one. They still have a small shot of the playoffs. But give me your breakdown, Tanner. Just what's on the top of your head right now after the Packers lose 24-17 Sunday night against the Vikings? <sighs> Well, uh, that small percentage that you mentioned, I believe it's like 3% to make the playoffs. That's just that's just probably not going to happen. Um, I wrote a piece about the Packers' post-buy outlook and how they have to go on the road to L.A. and New England. And I said they needed to steal one of those, and they definitely had the opportunity in Los Angeles. Ty Montgomery fumbled. They had the opportunity in New England. 
that win against Miami seems like ages ago, but I don't I, I can't remember the last time this team won a won an away game. We have to go back to last year, obviously, because they're 0-6, but just the inconsistency, being unable to finish games, play a full game, that's just been the identity of the 2018 Green Bay Packers. Well, the, actually, the last road game that the Packers won was against the Cleveland Browns last year where Brett Hundley willed himself to an overtime victory against the Cleveland Browns. That was a week before Aaron Rodgers came back. And if you remember, Aaron Rodgers was pretty much coaching that game at the end of the fourth quarter, going into overtime. Um, our boy Aaron Jones, um, I believe, sealed it for the end of regulation, pushing it into overtime. And then Devontae Adams had a nice uh, um, throw from Brett Hundley and a catch. And then he ran into the tunnel after the Packers uh, beat the Cleveland Browns that were winless at that time. So we're one in six in our last seven games. And one of them, we had to go to overtime to beat a winless Cleveland Browns game. So this isn't just about 2018. There's writing on the wall that outside of Aaron Rodgers, the Green Bay Packers are pretty much the Cincinnati Bengals or uh, another one of these mediocre teams. Hell, even the Detroit Lions. And Chris Sims last year, I want to say, at the beginning of the 2017-2018 season, said that the Green Bay Packers without Aaron Rodgers is the worst, are the worst team in the NFL. Do you think we're the worst team in the NFL if you remove Rodgers from our squad? Ooh, I, I'm a big believer in that Aaron Rodgers is like the LeBron James of the NFL, and if you take him off the Green Bay Packers, like LeBron James left the Cleveland Cavaliers, the Cavaliers are not a good basketball team if anyone follows the NBA. The Green Bay Packers, we saw it last year. Obviously, Brett Hundley's no longer in Green Bay, so we don't know how Deshaun Kaiser would do. We saw him in Cleveland, which was just a no-win situation for him. But I do think if you take Aaron Rodgers off of the Green Bay Packers, I don't, I'm not sure they're worse than the Oakland Raiders or maybe even the Arizona Cardinals, who we have coming to Lambeau next week. But they're a 3-4 they're a win team um, without Aaron Rodgers, I think. Even this year, Aaron Rodgers isn't playing his best, and and the results have showed they're four, six, and one. So I wouldn't say they're the worst, but they're they're definitely not a not a good football team without Aaron Rodgers. Even with Aaron Rodgers, they're not a good football team. And watching last night's game, the Packers jump out quick 14 points. So in the first 17 plays, Packers have 119 yards and two touchdowns. The final 34 plays, the Packers had 135 yards. Packers jump out. Quick 14, just like they did against Seattle in that Thursday night game. They jumped out quick 14 on the board. In the Seattle game, they produced a turnover on the first play. Here, we we could not. Now, is this is this something where Mike McCarthy has the first quarter pre-scripted, and then he has no idea what to do the next three quarters? I We, we talked about this in our Howdy Duty on Tap, um, our first blind date podcast, if you will, and about how Mike McCarthy has to know that this is it for him. And you go into Minnesota and you get a quick 14. This is Mike McCarthy. He's that rabid badger. You corner him and he's got his back up against the wall. He's going to fight back. Now, it's something that Mike McCarthy always figured out a way to when all the naysayers said you couldn't win a game, he found a way to win. And now it just seems there's nothing. It seems like he wants to be gone. It seems like Aaron Rodgers wants to be gone. What what happened? Was it was it the Minnesota Vikings outplayed us, 
Or is it that Mike McCarthy is really just a first quarter coach and then he can't do anything after that? Like you said about pre-scripting the first quarter there, yesterday I was watching the game and I really liked McCarthy's game plan in the first first quarter. And then, like you said, we jumped out. We're up 14-7. There were plays being run. They ran a jet sweep to Equinemia St. Brown. I don't think I've seen a receiver jet sweep in years. And the offense seemed like it was clicking. Rodgers looked like he was on in that first quarter. And then it was... It was really hard to watch, and I don't, I don't, I don't think the Minnesota Vikings completely outplayed the Green Bay Packers, but I mean, Kirk Cousins outplayed Aaron Rodgers last night. He did, and the Packers they they couldn't force a turnover. They really didn't get much pressure on on Kirk Cousins, and it, it it's just not a winning formula when the offense isn't playing well, and especially the special teams was atrocious last night. Um, had a turnover on that punt with Tremont Williams, so. It, it when all three facets of the game offense defense and special teams none of them are clicking you're not going to win football games especially on the road in a hostile environment like minnesota and that has to fall back on the coach i know we're, we're kind of a broken record our, our last episode we talked about uh potential coaching uh replacements for mike mccarthy it's it's done if even if they they rattle off the last five games and then they get some help like aaron Rodgers said they're done Brian Gutekunst, in my opinion, if he does actually have uh, the keys to 1265 and he can make the decisions of hiring and firing his coach, he's got to have already made up his mind right now. How does that happen? You're the Green Bay fucking Packers and you have Aaron Rodgers. Now, I have to ask this. Is is this really all about the knee? Do you really think we're seeing a different Rodgers because of the knee injury first week against the Bears? Or is that another excuse and Aaron Rodgers and Mike McCarthy are completely dysfunctional, or both. You know, with the knee, I don't think it's really an excuse. I, I do think the knee hindered him for a while, but once that knee brace comes off, I'd say he's pretty close to a hundred percent. I'm not. I'm no medical doctor, so I I have no idea. But it's. It, I think it's just all McCarthy and Rodgers, and you look at Rodgers' stats. He's got twenty touchdowns and one interception, and the team's records four six and one. The offense is, the offense has just been so poor, and we've seen over the last few weeks this this team has superstars in the making all around on both sides of the ball. You've got Aaron Jones, you've got Devontae Adams on the defensive side of the ball. We saw it last night. Jair Alexander's a playmaker. You've got Kenny Clark. There's pieces, and Mike McCarthy just can't put it together. And it's, I mean. You do have to give some of the blame to Aaron Rodgers. He is the quarterback. He's not playing well. He's owned up to it. But it's it's just very disappointing watching this team week in, week out with the talent they have. They have talent. They just they just aren't using it. You can go through the game and you can see where there are moments where Mike Patton did the best that he could with no edge rushers, essentially. Uh, Fackrell was phased out. Minnesota keyed in on him. And you have a secondary that, um, it's got Abraham in there and Tony Brown, you know, I mean, Ted Thompson's guys, undrafted free agents that are, that are playing in the secondary. I mean, Mike Pettin can only do what he's given. And I have to admit for as explosive as Diggs and Thielen are and Dalvin Cook for sure. Um, I was overall impressed with what the defense did. Um, I, I look at that special teams and, and I think how Ron Zook still has a job is beyond me how you have a veteran in Tremont Williams. The only reason he's on the team 
is for veteran leadership. And this is what you do. You, you, you miff an opportunity. And that's the thing. It always seems like the Packers continue to shoot themselves in the foot that they're in these games or they find ways to lose these games. And you can blame it on David Bakhtiari's out. So you've got, you got to bring in Spriggs at left tackle and both your guards are out. And so you pretty much, you've got Lindsley as the best offensive lineman, the only offensive lineman. You can start pointing the finger, but over and over again, good football teams know when to win football games. And right now we're not a good football team and we can't win football games. So that falls on Mike McCarthy. For me, I was hoping to wake up this morning to see him fired, to see them make a statement, to see them say, you know what, I've I've seen enough already. I've seen enough of these games where we're in and we lose them. And I, whatever we saw last night with McCarthy and Rodgers, I'm, I'm sick of Rodgers coming off the field. And he has a right to be ticked off. But I'm just sick of seeing just this, Trying not to swear, but I'm just I'm, I'm I'm sick of seeing a guy that doesn't want to be there. And I know that Mark, Mike McCarthy clearly can script a first quarter, and but it's third down and four, and you've got four wide receivers or three wide receivers running streaks, and then you've got another wide receiver running a deep slant, and then you have a delayed halfback play action. Like, what are you doing? On third and four, enough's enough with Mike McCarthy. And I, I think if you really want to make a statement, Mark Murphy needs to make a statement and say, you know what, I'd like to see what maybe Mike Pettin has as interim head coach, even though he says he doesn't want to be head coach, and that's probably because he doesn't want to show up as boss. But do you think that Mike Pettin's the best coach that we have on our team right now? I would say yes, because I don't think it's Joe Philbin. Joe Philbin's another former NFL head coach, but I know McCarthy – runs that offense. I'm not sure how much of a say Philbin has, but Pettin's done about as good a job as he can do with the resources that he has this year. That's a game last night that Packers gave up 24 points to a talented Minnesota Vikings off- offense in Minnesota. The old Packers offense would, would find a way to win that game. They'd find a way to put up 27-31. And you said earlier that it, it just, the whole McCarthy and Rodgers thing, and Rodgers looks ticked off. It just doesn't feel like the players are playing for Mike McCarthy. It doesn't feel like, and like there's the talk going around, oh, his message is stale. And maybe it is. We don't know. We're not in the locker room. It definitely get, has that vibe. There's only like a certain number of guys out there that want to come ready to play each and every Sunday. And you can tell by the performance out there of who is coming ready to play. And it doesn't look like Aaron Rodgers is coming ready to play. He's ha- he has that look on his face of disgust and of disappointment. At almost every possession, they have the football. And that, seeing that from a star quarterback, MVP quarterback, and Aaron Rodgers, after we've seen how great he has been, to see him struggle like that and the look of disappointment, and he knows he's playing bad. I mean, part of that's a lot of that's on him, and a lot of it's on the coaches. You extend Mike McCarthy's contract for another year, so he's not a lame duck, and you bring in a new GM, and then Mike McCarthy is involved in the, all the general manager interviewees, which is bizarre. M- Mark Murphy decides to crumble down the silos and everyone has to come to him. But then you allow Mike McCarthy. So you clearly find out that Ted Thompson is declining and you go into the Brian Gutekunst era. If Rodgers doesn't break his collarbone last year, I doubt we even see that transition. And now you give McCarthy another year contract so he's not a lame duck this year but we can fire him at the end of this year 
but you allow Mike McCarthy to bring in his coaching staff. A Frank Signetti who goes back to Pittsburgh with them. A Joe Philbin and, uh, what is it, Angelico for the tight ends coach for Cleveland. Him and McCarthy, like, all these guys have all this incestuous relationship with Mike McCarthy. Even Brian Gutekunst and Russ Ball go back to Kansas City when Mike McCarthy was a quarterback's coach. Russ Ball was like a like a financial advisor, and Brian Gutekunst was a was a was a scouting guy, all the way back 20 years ago. And now here we are, and we've got the same three. I'd like to think that Brian Gutekunst has a wherewithal to know that the ship has sailed with Mike McCarthy, and we move forward. But I I have to ask this question now by giving Rodgers this huge contract. Should they have done the Brady approach where you allow yourself to have a a variety of different large contracts or medium to large contracts with a variety of different players? And then you give Brady a contract where he gets a bunch of guaranteed money and then a bunch of incentives rather than all this guaranteed money for Aaron Rodgers. And it pretty much cripples our roster moving. I mean, we do have some money moving forward, but I'm wondering was that the right decision to make where you invest all that money into an Aaron Rodgers who doesn't look like he enjoys playing right now, and that could be the knee, that could be Mike McCarthy, but is there something to be worried about? Is this is this ominous? That's a good question. I never thought of that, but um, I have I'm, I have no blame on Aaron Rodgers. He's, I, in my opinion, the best player in the world in the game of football. I, he should get all the money in the world for – the, what he's done for the Green Bay Packer organization. But I believe he did have another year next year on his con- remaining contract. And I know the whole thing is, oh, pay quarterbacks. Matt Ryan got his huge deal. Jimmy Garoppolo got his huge deal. Aaron Rodgers was next up. And they did pay Aaron Rodgers all that money coming off of a broken collarbone. He has 13 screws in that right collar, his throwing collarbone. So you're paying him all that money coming off of a – a season where he missed half of the season. So I would have honestly taken the, this whole year to honestly evaluate what you want to do with his contract. And I would revisit, revisit it this off season rather than, you know, extend him uh, in the preseason, which everyone knew was going to happen. I, I, I'm, I wasn't shocked by that. And I don't blame Gutekunst or Rogers for that. I, like I said, I think Rogers is the best quarterback in the game, the best player in the game, but the whole Brady approach thing, that's definitely an interesting take. And that's, that's a big argument there. Oh, Tom Brady takes pay cuts and all this stuff. So is his, uh, the rest of his roster can be talented and the Packers are going to have money moving forward, but a hundred, $130, 140000000 million devoted to one guy, Aaron Rodgers isn't going anywhere anytime soon. So when there's issues related to this team, Aaron Rodgers will be there for the next four or five years. That's why you pull the plug now, in my opinion. But again, I think that there there's this loyalty that you know circles Lambo with Mark Murphy and Mike McCarthy. And part of me does think, and I've, I've brought this up in, in previous episodes, that I could see Mike McCarthy in a higher upper management type of role with the Green Bay Packers. And the whole reason that I, I'd i go all in on this if I was at a poker table is why do you have Mike McCarthy? And if he's already a guy that you're hesitant on the fact of can he win moving forward, the whole Rodgers and McCarthy, whatever it is, that's been going on for a couple of years. I mean, it's all been speculation. Now we're, we're starting to see, like I said, 
last week. They're legally separated. They're living in different households right now. And why do you insert him in to the interview process when you're paying a guy all this money to be the face of the franchise again for the next four or five years, but then you have a guy that is at odds with you inserted into the general manager process. And I don't know if that was more of stroking Mike McCarthy's ego to make him feel okay coming into this year and he can be focused. Clearly, that has not gone that way. I'm rambling a little bit, but I wanted to pass the baton over to you. If you have, we'll, we'll, we'll flip the script because I, I, I put you on. I ask you questions cold. You've got really no time to prep and uh, you've been acing them. So I, I will flip the script. And uh, have you asked some questions if you've got any? Yeah, I mean, uh, we, we kind of got off topic about the game last night. But <laughs> <laughs> but um, like we've seen the Packers lose three straight, and the, we've, we've talked about how dysfunctional, dysfunctional the offense has been. And we've talked about uh, Mike McCarthy's uh, management decisions like last week, the fourth and two. But... I want to go. I wanted to ask you about the fourth and one play call from I believe it was fourteen fourteen in the third quarter, and the Packers own forty five somewhere around there, and the Packers decided to go for it on fourth and one, to which Aaron Jones was tackled for no gain, turnover on downs, Vikings go down and score. It, it seemed like it seemed like it really flipped the script on that game, and you could tell right there, this game's we we completely lost this game, and I know there was a play in the first half there where the Packers lined up, looked like they were going for it on fourth and four from like the Vikings 40 and they called timeout, ended up punting. So like, what are your takes on, on those calls? Cause I'm, I'm a little pissed off at McCarthy for the, I, I love going for it on fourth and one. It, he had that coaching for your job mentality, but I'm not really sure running Aaron Jones right at the Minnesota Vikings defensive line on fourth and one from your own, own 45 was the right decision. I just wanted to hear your take on that. I think the Packers in general are uh, a day late and a dollar short, in my opinion. And I was excited that he went for it. In those short yardage situations, you have Jamal Williams there for those short yardage situations. So if you're going to do that and you already have a banged up offensive line going up against the Minnesota's D-line, again, stop doing the capers approach and putting square pegs in circle holes. You know, just for me, coach the team you have. And you've got an electric, bona fide, top five wide receiver in Devonta Adams that you don't short throw short little slants to or a bubble screen. I mean, Christ, we could have brought in the Sycamore, some Robert Tanyan yeah. action. He's got great hands. He's shown that he has that swagger where he wants the ball. I, For me, I don't understand why you don't have the best players on that uh, field for that fourth and one, and you run up the gut with Aaron Jones, and you learn nothing from that safety against the Rams game that completely switched over that game too. We were up 10, nothing, I believe mm -hmm. with a couple minutes left going into the first half, they give up a safety Rams end up uh, scoring and uh, it's, it's a whole new ball game. Again, 14, 14, they go for it, which is great. But again, it's, it's Mike McCarthy being predictable. Harrison Smith knew what was going on and completely stopped Aaron Jones in his tracks. And, that's the thing. When you have a, a guy like Aaron Jones, it just seems like Mike McCarthy is going through Twitter and being like, oh, man, all these people want me to give Aaron Jones the ball. I'm going to give him the ball. But they don't use him in the right situations. And a great coach finds ways to use his playmakers in the right situation. And then on the whole, oh, man, I wanted to 
even before, uh, so that was like what third and so it was fourth and inches, and they could have challenged the spot with Aaron Jones, which they didn't, and then the whole fiasco with the refs and mm-hmm. them not lining up and McCarthy freaking out. Then you burn a timeout, and then that's the play you call, and then we don't have any timeouts. Like it got to the point at the end of the game where we needed three timeouts and we didn't have that, and so again. The mismanaging and not knowing that, you know, the play clock is running and you can point the finger at the refs. Your coaches, your your job is on the line and this is what you're doing. And so uh, what was the other one when, when they punted? I believe this is the first half. Um, the Packers had the ball um, on the Vikings 45-40 round there. And it, the Packers were lined up in the shotgun. It looked like they were going to go for it. And they ended up calling a timeout and just punting the ball, um, which I really – I really am not a fan, and like like you said, back-to-back weeks where the Packers have mismanaged the clock and certain situations don't have timeouts when we need them. Yesterday, with that first-half play, I, I, I really hate lining up and trying to draw a team offsides and then just burning a timeout just to punt, and that's what the Packers ended up doing yesterday. I had no problem if they wanted to punt from where they did, but it's just it, something with McCarthy and Rodgers, the t- the the mismanagement of the clock, the usage of timeouts, that that's something that really irritates me. Week in and week out, we've seen it. It's just late in the second half, you need you need two, three timeouts. You do. And the Packers haven't. Other teams have. And, you know, sometimes Aaron Rodgers can make magic when you don't have timeouts, but sometimes the defense needs timeouts. And yesterday we saw, we almost saw Mike McCarthy's magic at the end of the first half when he called the timeout, trying to get the ball back with like a minute or so minute or two left the Vikings ended up picking up picking up a first down and then all of a sudden it looked like they were going to score kick a field goal before half something like that and they ended up missing but I just Mike McCarthy's time management issues has really been an issue with with me personally and what's your opinion on it I I think with so just to clarify in the first half they were driving I believe it was 14-7 and they were driving, and then they elected to punt. Um, and then J.K. Scott had a nice little almost coffin punt. That was where I was like, you go for it. Mm-hmm. You got the momentum. You've you got them on your heels. Let's go. Like, put the pedal to the metal and go for it. In the second half, it, it's 14-14. And you're on the 45, even if you convert that fourth down, you still have another 60 yards, 55 yards to mm-hmm. score a touchdown. Whereas in the first half, you probably had another 20, 25 for a touchdown and maybe another 5, 10 for a field goal. So it's those things where I, it, it perplexes me that that doesn't cross Mike McCarthy's mind. And then when it goes back down to time management, it, that falls on Rodgers too. I, oh. I, I look at, I look at, I look at what he does and I look at again it's 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 McCarthy's responsibility to practice and coach the players that he has and you've got a lot of young rookie wide receivers but that's it and when I look at this team and maybe with the whole Graham thing and him and Rodgers aren't synced up and maybe he's not a good fit for this this offense I just don't understand how you don't create opportunities for the players that you have and then you burn timeouts, delay of games, these scripted plays up the middle 
when you have playmakers like this. So for me, it just the list goes on and on with with Mike McCarthy on. It, it'd be one thing if this was just an issue with time management just being one thing, but it's everything: special teams and injuries and Rodgers and McCarthy not being on the same same page. And it's third and four, three weeks in a row now. It's been third and four, third and five, third and six. And McCarthy has called the same play. Three wide receiver streaks and a long deep slant. Anyone that does their prep knows what Mike McCarthy is going to call. So on top of it, I just think everything where you see a timeout being burned in the first 10 minutes of the game, you're just thinking, do you guys practice? That's the thing that I don't understand. The Packers, they don't, they don't look like a team that practices week in, out, week, in week out. Watching that Rams-Chiefs game, seeing those two offenses and the two great offensive minds that are Andy Reid and Sean McVay go at it, it's like, did Mike McCarthy forget that there's crossing patterns? And like you said, it's, it's third and four, and you've got three or four guys running deep. Like, where's the five, five six-yard route? That just pick up the first down, let's move on. And that hasn't been there this year. I don't, I don't get it. it. Like I said, it looks like McCarthy's playing Madden out there. He looks like he's just looking <laughs> for the deep ball. It, it makes it just makes no sense to me. And you could point the finger at injuries and say, oh, Gmo's not there and Cobb's not there. But again, it, it seems like these guys like Cobb and Rodgers and a bunch of other players have really been saving Mike McCarthy's neck the last few years. And so you, you have these newer players but, I mean, MVS, like, I mean, you had EQ St. Brown with that jet sweep, and then he also had a couple nice catches. But other than that, like, I just don't understand how you don't practice and figure out where players are most explosive. And a third and one and then a fourth and in inches, you give it to Aaron Jones up the gut with no protection whatsoever with backup guards. You should be fired on Monday. You should not have a job. Before – uh. Before we wrap up our first post-game, the UPP-19, which consists of the Unknown Packers podcast and Green 19 Packers, Packers have five games left, Cardinals, Falcons, Bears, Jets, Lions. Aaron Rodgers said with a nice cocky smile that we go in, we beat Arizona Arizona home, we beat Atlanta, we go to the Bears, we beat them, Jets, we beat them, and then we beat the Lions, and then – we need a little bit of help. Packers are 4-6-1, and one, the same record as the Cleveland Browns, and we just saw Baker Mayfield tell us what he really thinks of his old former coach, and it's, it seems pretty interesting. When you, have a, when you have players that play for a coach that they like and, the player, and that they respect, look what happens with those Browns teams. And now I look at the Packers at 4-6-1. and one. Give me your tape because what, what is it? Are you 8-1-1 are you one one right now? With your predictions, I'm I'm eight one and one. I am I've and it's I I did a preseason uh, preview and I think I had the Packers going around ten and six, eleven and five, which they usually are week or year in year out, ten and six, eleven and five. I thought they'd be like that this year, but then I do the week by week previews as injuries happen and you know other teams uh, uh perform differently than what they were expected to. I've I've picked every single game right except for that Washington Redskins game. And it, I, I would assume next week we're getting a victory against the Cardinals. Not a very good football team there. But it's like you said, Rodgers said, we got to win all these games and get a little bit of help. They need a lot of help. And it's extremely unlikely. 
like you said, bringing up the Browns, who fired Hugh Jackson a couple weeks back, they've played some pretty good football for Greg Williams in Cleveland, and it makes me, it's not going to happen that McCarthy will get fired midseason, but it definitely makes me curious if we'd see a new football team out there playing for a new head coach in the middle of the season. But this Packers team, you t- we're 4-6-1, we're staring at probably seven wins at most. I, I, I don't know about that Bears game. The Falcons game's a toss-up, and it, it it's I'd we're looking at a top 10 to 15 pick kind of like last year and it's a, it's a real disappointing season and there's not much else you can do about it except at this point in time I'm I'm starting to look at like a like we've talked about the head coaching candidates and possible free agents in the draft class and just kind of ready for this season to be over move on to next year I'm go I'm going to the Cardinals game on Sunday um and we usually do pretty well when I'm there. I'm actually going to the Lions game, too, at the end of the year. I look at the Falcons. We cannot beat the Falcons. I don't <laughs> think we beat the Bears. And, uh, honestly, the Jets, D, uh, they've got some sleepers. Jamal Adams is a stud, and who who knows? And Bowles is, a, is fighting for his coaching life, I would assume. Mm-hmm. And we can't win on the road. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so it. I, I think what's – What's really sad is that um, you gotta you gotta have Mark Murphy look in the mirror and realize that he allowed Ted Thompson to do what he was doing for multiple years, and this is the ramifications that we have. We have large contracts to players that don't deserve these large contracts that aren't even playing. We have we have these players that have these huge contracts that aren't even getting suited up. Clay Matthews, surprisingly enough, is if if people ignore the stat sheet is really having a resurgence at the outside linebacker position. I saw that you put a tweet out there that said you wouldn't mind having Matthews back uh, next year. I'm in the same boat with you. If uh, it seems that him and Petten have a um, – they're on the same page and you can utilize Clay Matthews in certain situations where he can thrive. As we wrap up, obviously next week we will do our uh, UPP Green 19 Episode 2 of the Arizona Cardinals post game. Say we have a top 10 pick. Do we go edge, O-line, wide receiver, um, or safety? It's it's pretty early, but I would like for the first pick, I like I said, it's early, but I've, I've fallen in love with Josh Allen, the edge rusher there from Kentucky. And we do have that second round, the second first round pick from the Saints, which looks like it'll be <laughs> in the late 20s, early 30s. But wouldn't I wouldn't hate possibly – get Aaron Rodgers some offensive weapons, maybe a, maybe a receiver in the first round. I don't remember the last time we took it. I think the last first rounder we took on the offensive side of the ball was Brian Bulaga, an offensive lineman, years ago, if I remember correctly. So Aaron Rodgers could use some help early on in the draft, but it'll it, it'll definitely be interesting to see. what Packers will have a relatively high pick. We thought we had a, they, we had a high pick last year. <laughs> Next year might even be higher, so... It's something that we're on. Uh, we're not used to as Packers fans, so it's a kind of the silver lining of having a a poor record and possibly not making the playoffs. I was on the same page with you of going edge, and I've been screaming edge for the last two three years as we desperately need it. But seeing David Bakhtiari go out and looking that offensive line, I think that maybe maybe you go take the best tackle in the game if you've got that eight nine ten pick, and then try to trade up possibly and get an edge rusher we've always gone in the second round with wide receivers but Derek Sherrod I think is the last uh offensive guy that we took but uh (laughs) 
Did he even play through his rookie year? I don't know if he did. I know he broke his leg and was out of the league shortly thereafter. But that was we also took Randall Cobb in the second round there, so that that kind of washed it out. But yes, that was a what was that 2011 after the Super Bowl, I believe. Uh, I'm Bryce Christensen. I'm Tanner Uncle. And this is the Unknown Packers podcast. I think it's great how you used to be great. I can't hate on how you choose to relate. But I know that you had the potential I understand why you wanted to let go A lot of pressure in the middle of those shoulders And we ain't getting nothing but older Ain't nothing changed but the day we run from But nobody knows it better than you, huh? One for the bar, tap two for the shine Just go to your car and do another line Barely trust them, they're all puppets Love is nothing, scared of success